Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. dive into. Um, I'm really excited to share it because it's probably the ones, the one that I struggle with the most. And they say that you preach best what you struggle with the most. And so we'll find out if that's true together in just a moment, because I want to talk about the fear of the unknown, the fear of the unknown. Now, I think the reason, I think this really depends who you are, whether or not you struggle with fear. If you're like a fly by the seat of your pants type of person, um, like if you don't have a calendar and if you don't have a schedule and if you just wake up when you want to wake up and go to sleep when you want to go to sleep. And, and uh, if that's you, I hate you. And also because I wish I could be you. I really do. I, that's not me. I'm a planner. I'm a bit of a control freak. I know what I'm eating uh, before the day begins. Um, I've got uh, by the end of this month, we'll have all of our sermons uh, t- topics uh, written out for 2020. Uh, the whole 12 months, by the end of this month, I'll just, I'm a planner, um, a.k.a. control freak. Are there any other control freaks in the house? Any other planners? All right. The rest of you, I don't know how you live. I don't know how you, don't know how you still have a job, okay? Keep a calendar, you hippie, all right? Uh, just get organized. And, um, and uh, it, it, that's the hardest part. I think you struggle with this the most because in order to be a planner, you got to have an expectation. And in order to have an expectation, you kind of got to know what's coming. Um, but I have realized the longer I live that about 99% of my life I can't plan for. I, the longer I've lived, I have recognized that the, most of the things that happened in my life, I had no idea they were going to happen. I had no idea that I was going to lose a child. You had no idea that you were going to lose a dad. You had no idea that you were going to lose a job. You had no idea when you'd get married that your wife would look like that. I had a list for everything my wife would look like. And I'm going to tell you, Liz, the only thing Liz checks off on that list is love Jesus. That was my very first list. That's the true story. I can say it because she's in Ethiopia. She has no idea what I'm preaching about. By the way, pray for me. I am a bachelor this week. Uh, I have, don't, don't cheer for that. It's really sad. I don't know where things are. I'm completely lost in my own house. I had to ask Zane for directions today in my house. I said, where does mom keep this? Where he's like over there. He's looking at me with disdain. Like, how are you even my father right now? And I just, she's kind of just guiding me through life and, and <laughs> the tables have turned. <laughs> um, but, uh, so pray for me. Also, the one thing I needed was for him not to get sick this week because I would add a whole other leg, and he did get sick. So pray for him and, and pray for me too. Um, but uh, this isn't about me or my therapy session with you. This is about uh, the fear of the unknown. So that's me. And so I want to share with you today uh, a sermon. It's the third sermon I ever preached in my life. The first sermon I ever preached was to Children's Church. And uh, eight, I, it was eight kids in the class. Eight of them gave their lives to Jesus. And I don't know if it's because I was a good preacher or because I gave out lollipops at the end. I'm not really sure. The second sermon I ever preached was to my church. I was 12 years old. My pastor found out that, uh, that I, I preached to the kids. He gave me an opportunity. I think that's why we have JLA and why we love our interns and why we have so many ministry opportunities. We just want to see the younger generation. So I know JYE is in the back doing their thing but can we give it up for our youth and our teenagers Um, you are not the ministry of tomorrow you're the ministry of today and and we're just so happy for you and we believe in you we so believe in you the third time um, I got asked to preach was actually on the radio which was a big leap for me for anybody under 20 let me explain what the radio is all right it's like podcast but without apple all right like podcasts, and I, I, I guess I wanted to impress, which is kind of what you do at 12 years old, even when you're in ministry, you shouldn't, 
be in ministry to impress. Um, but, uh, but I wanted to share just the coolest Bible story I could find. And the coolest Bible story that I could find, that I could think of, that I could remember, was Peter walking on the water. How many people are familiar with this Bible story? Go ahead and raise your hand. I just didn't know I'm talking to you today. All right, a lot of people do, and about half do, half don't, which is great. That's what I love about Journey Church. We never assume your Bible knowledge. We always start from scratch. And so Peter is one of the 12 disciples, and uh, they're on a boat, and Jesus sends these disciples across a lake. Jesus sends them, and they hit a storm. And I love the fact that they hit the storm after Jesus sends them because there's an idea in our mind that the storm hits when you're disobedient. But what happens when you haven't done a thing wrong? What happens when you did exactly what Jesus said and your boat's still rocking? Like, how did that even happen? I thought that if I followed every rule, my life would come good. But some of the craziest times in your life are when you're obedient. Some of the craziest times. And it almost makes you want to go back. You're like, when I was crazy, at least things were going bad and I didn't feel guilty. Now I'm trying to get my life right. Now I got problems and a conscience. Hello. It was much better when I just did what I want. And, uh, and so I want to get into that story. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. It's on the screen. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of them to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, about three miles, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. And shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in, say that word with me. They didn't know what it was. It's the unknown. They don't know. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I fear not. And then Peter, bold man, Peter is bold. He said, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. Now, when I was writing the notes down on the screen, I thought it was a typo because as I was typing in my computer, I wanted to put an exclamation mark next to the word come because in my mind, it's a storm going on. So I don't know if you've ever tried to talk to somebody with just a radio on, you know, it's like, hey. So in my mind, the storm is crackling and the, and the lightning is hitting and the waves. In my mind, Jesus is like, come. That's how I wrote it. And then I went back to the Bible to double check. Because every detail is important. I double-checked, and it didn't have the exclamation point. He was just like, everything's going crazy. I need you to capture this. Everything's going crazy. And Jesus is just like, come. <laughs> Which, if you're not careful, you can get really mad. Because how many people know the, the, there's nothing more annoying than when you're freaking out and other people are calm? And you're like, you better start understanding the seriousness of this moment right here. I better hear some inflection in your voice. I need to see some nervousness because you being not nervous freaks me out even more. But it's kind of like when your plane hits turbulence. Never freak out when the plane hits turbulence. Freak out when the stewardess freaks out. Freak out when the pilot freaks out. And this is what I love. I think when Jesus was in the middle of the storm, he was saying, come, because he wanted them to know that everything might be shaking, but I got this. Everything might be crazy. Everything might be rocky. But keep your eyes on me. Do I look worried? No, you don't look worried, Jesus. So then you don't have to be worried either. He keeps it together in the storm even when you can't keep it together. So then Peter got off the boat. He's like, all right, if you say so. Walking on the water came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Peter has all the exclamation marks in this story. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and said, oh, you of little faith, you almost did it. Why did you doubt? 
And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. I want to show you a clip from the movie Son of God. We took the words out because we just want you to hear the moment. Because in reality, you wouldn't have been able to even hear the people talking because it would have been so loud. And I'm doing this because I think a lot of us grew up with this story or some of us have never heard it before. I'm also doing this because we know the end of the story. And so hopefully when you see this video, it'll kind of bring you into the moment. So go ahead and put your eyes to the screen. This is Jesus and Peter about to do the whole water walking magic trick. Go back, go back. Remember, you don't know it's Jesus yet. I'm like, no, thank you. Put your hand down. Stay right here in the boat. Y'all like, why didn't you? I wanted to see. You wanted to see verse 33. You want to see him walking on the water and then Jesus in the boat and the storm comes. You want to see verse 33. Me too, but here's the problem. You're not living verse 33 right now. You're living verse 29. You're right there on the edge. You done stepped out and you don't know if this is about to be a message or a mess. You don't know. You right there, you don't know. You made us a decision, you got life, and you don't know if tomorrow's gonna be unbelievable or if you're gonna do something unbelievably stupid. You don't know yet. You don't know. I wanna go to verse 33, but we're not living in verse 33. Most of us are living in verse 29. We don't know. We don't know if we're gonna sink or we don't know if we're gonna swim. That's what I love about that passage because it's surrounded by the unknown. Is Peter gonna swing or sink or is Peter gonna swim? I don't know. I don't know. Is, is that Jesus or is that a ghost? I don't know. By the way, that was creepy, right? If you don't know it's Jesus, I don't know. Is the boat going to capsize and everybody's going to die before we even get a chance to do the miracle? I don't know. How is Jesus' hair still dry in a storm? I don't know. <laughs> Homeboy got that celestial shampoo, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you see that? You know he flat irons, Joman. You know he does. And he didn't curl up at all in the rain, don't you wish? <laughs> I don't know. You know, so much of life freaks us out because we don't know. You know, and, and I remember Liz getting ready. I've been dealing with this whole Ethiopia thing now for a week and a half, so most of my stories are going to come from this. But uh, a couple uh, last week, I told you Liz was going to be here on Sunday because she had an infection. So we took her to the doctors, and they gave her these antibiotics. She was taking the antibiotics for five days, and in five days, she did not get better. 
We go back to the doctors and we're like, hey, this uh, antibiotic's not working. They did some tests and they said, oh, what happens is that must mean that the culture, the antibiotics, the, the, the bacteria that's in you are resistant against this strain of antibiotics. And so we're going to have to get you on some new antibiotics. And she said, well, what if these don't work either? And then the doctor said, well, we'll do a culture test. We'll take the, the, the bacteria and we'll take this new antibiotic. We'll put it in a little Petri dish. And if it beats the bad germs, I don't know how it works. And if it beats the bad germs, and then we'll know that the medicine is good for you. And she said, well, how long does that um, test take? And they said two days. She was leaving in a day and a half. So now she's going to Ethiopia, unbelievable pain with medicine. She's not even sure that will work. And I'm trying to do the best husband, pastor, preacher thing. And I've just learned, just husbands, your wife does not want you to preach to her. I've just, I've learned this. I'm over here like, but the Bible says, and she's like, close the Bible right now and go get me a heating pad. I'm like, yes, Lord. Um, and uh, do it and I do it. And, and so, and she said, and this is what she told me. She said, if, if, she said, it would all be different, babe. She said, it would all be different. These are exact words. If I just knew the outcome, how would life be different? If you just knew the outcome, I want to take a second to talk about the facts of faith, because the facts of fear, the facts of fear, because I believe that there is a theory that we have in our mind that if we could just see how it all played out, we'd be all right. Like I remember I read one mystery book like my whole school year and in the first chapter, I was like stressing out. I was like, no. Mm -mm. So I fast forwarded to the end. I just went to the last chapter and I was like, oh, the butler did it. Cool. Then I went through the story with peace, and I think we think life is like that. Like if we just knew, like if we only knew, like do I make it through college or do I fail out? If I just know, I I'll be all right. Do I stay married or does this thing end? Because we had a real bad fight on the way to church today, and I don't know. If I just knew it would be different, am I ever going to get married or married again? Or am I going to say, say, am I going to be alone? If I just knew, then that would be all right. Is my business going to take off? Because if it does, then I can bear the storm. But I'm not sure if this thing is capsizing or not. Or here's mine. Are my kids going to get to heaven? I just want to know. So that when they come home smelling like substances, I'm not freaking out. I mean, not my kid. He's six, but your kid might. I'm not saying that my kid will never, but right now, hopefully that's not his struggle right now <laughs> at the age of six. I've been working on my talent. I've been working on my photography. I've been working on my videography. I've been working with my blog. I've been working with my voice. I've been working in acting. Am I ever going to get discovered? Because this hustle is hard and I just need to know. And I want to tell you right now, if you think the answer, if you think what you know is going to overcome what you don't know that, and that fear will go away, you're wrong. And I'll prove it to you because when I was a little kid, somehow my parents failed and let me see child's play, the Ch Chucky, better known as Chucky. And they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't try to make me see it. They just weren't there when my cousins put it on. And so I saw it. Now, funny thing is I sent my kids to my sister's house and they're like, we saw Chucky. I'm like, dang it. Like it all comes full circle. My struggles were their struggles. And, and so, and so but they didn't really see it. They just saw like a picture of it. And so I'm a good parent. Um, I'm just kidding, mom. Shout out. Love you. Uh, I was freaked out. So I went to my dad and I was like, dad, man, I just saw Chucky, dude, and I'm scared. And this is what he told me. He said, why are you scared? I'm like, because Chucky, he's going to kill me. And his toys are going to come to life. And this is what he told me. He said, don't be afraid. It's just a, and it's not, we had the same dad growing up right there. <laughs> And that really served me for a season until the next week, one of my cousins came over to spend the week at our house and she brought her favorite dolls. 
And, then, and, and one of her favorites, this was in the 90s, these were real popular back then, she had a whole collection of troll dolls. Now, if you're a millennial, Gen X, boomer, you know these things because you live this. If you're Gen Z, you have no idea. So I brought a picture of a troll doll. Oh, heaven no. Look at it. This was a toy, guys. Children played with this demon. Look at his eyes. They never blink. It's just... And then look what it says on his shirt. That just makes it creepier. I love you to death. <laughs> nah, man. I went back to my dad and I'm like, dad, but, the, but Melanie got a troll doll and it's just like Chucky. And, I, uh, and he was like, it's not real. And I was like, but that's not helping. <laughs> I'm trying to make a point. Like I knew it wasn't real, but it didn't matter what I knew. I, I couldn't even process what it is because fear is not rational. Fear is not logical. Here's what fear doesn't want. Fear doesn't want you to weigh what it is. Fear wants you to worry what if. Fear, it, it doesn't matter what's fact or fiction, true or false. You think by knowing the answer, you'll be okay? No, because you don't need reality for, the, for fear to sink in. All you need is an imagination. And so, and so your, your significant other's cell phone vibrates at 2 a.m., and you don't even want to weigh what it is. Never mind he's been faithful. Never mind she loves Jesus. It starts vibrating. All of a sudden you start thinking, well, well, well what if? I mean, I know they love me, but, but what if? The stock market's had 10 years of a bull market, the stock market. And every time the stock dips just a little bit, everybody gets on. That's it. We're going into another recession. It's like, forget about what it is. What if? Here's a good one, and you know you all do it. The moment you have a symptom that you've never had before, WebMD. You're like, what side of the tummy is the appendix on again? Okay, no, I'm good. Just gas. All right. Good to know. Forget about what it is. Are you hearing me? It's not what it is that gets you. It's, it's what fear is not rational. It isn't, you don't, you want, you're not going to fight it with facts or what you know. It doesn't help at all. Someone tried to help me, but again, I was like, I don't want to fly this plane. plane. Plane is scary to me. And they were like, oh, that's because you don't know how planes work. If you only knew the aerodynamics of planes, you would be, did you know that a plane can shut off midair and it would just keep floating because of the aerodynamics? I'm like, no. I don't know how planes work, but you're lying right now. I don't believe that for one second. It's like, well, did you know that planes are safer to drive than cars? More people die in car crashes than they do in planes. And I'm like, that does not help me. People still die in planes. One of the greatest fears uh, is fear of spiders. Anybody has fear of spiders here or spiders? She's really excited about the fear of spiders. And... Did you know that's like the most common fear with people, fear of spiders? But you know how many people actually die from a spider bite in a year? Seven. Not seven million, not seven thousand, not seven hundred, not seven D. Just seven. You know you have a five times more, you're five times more likely to die from a dog bite. But we but we live with them. We buy them toys. If if fear was rational, we should have a greater fear of puppies than we do of black widows, but we don't. 
Because fear doesn't operate on the level of logic or ration, or rationality or makes sense. It, it, it messes with your imagination. It, what could be, what if, and that's the fear of the unknown in its essence right there. And I want to teach you how to overcome the fear of the unknown today. And it's going to sound pretty counterintuitive because last week I told you to fight your fear and to face your fear. And we had a whole platform out here and we're like, just keep face the fear. But today I'm going to flip it on you. Okay, I want to tell you this. It's not enough to face your fear. I actually think you need to embrace your fear. Yeah, I'll read the passage right quick. It says this in Mark chapter six. I'm sorry, I said right quick. This is my New York. It comes out every once in a while. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. And check this out. He intended to go past them. Now, I'm not even preaching on this, but it's hard to read it and not talk about it because this is not the Jesus that I grew up learning about in Sunday school. I, I read about the Jesus who loves you, who's always there for you. No one ever told me about the Jesus who was like, oh, you're drowning? Okay. <laughs> you know, and never, never, and I, here's what I think was going to, if he never intended to stop, if he never intended to stop, that means that the whole walking on water thing was plan B. I have a theory on what plan A is you want to hear it? Well, I won't say it then if you don't want to hear it, and that's fine. I did a whole preparing thing, but whatever. You want to hear plan A? Because I, I, it said he intended to walk by like I had another plan. I think his plan was to meet them on the other side. You know why I think that? Because he told them before he sent them, I will meet you on the other side. And so here's what's happening. They're rowing against the wind, but can we just stop and clap for them? Because rowing against the wind is hard, but they were doing it. Why would they row against the wind if it was hard? Unless they were thinking to themselves, I know this is difficult and I know this is hard, but if God said row, gosh darn it, I'm a row. And even if the wind hits me, I'm a row. And even when the waves come, I'm a row. And even when the lightning strikes, I'm a row. And I'm a row, and I'm a row, and I'm a row, and the storm is coming, but I'm a row. Are you ready for the miracle? The plan A miracle was for them to survive the storm, get to the other side, and Jesus was going to be waiting there on the shore and said, you see what happens when you just do what I say? Things will get scary, but your boat will never flip. That was the lesson. But the disciples messed it up. And so Jesus had to come in with plan B. How did they mess it up? Next verse. Now we got to switch. Now we got to transition. I love the power. Jesus can pivot so quickly, just on a dive. He, he's never caught by surprise. Verse 49, but when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in fear, thinking he was a ghost. And they were all terrified when they saw him. But Jesus spoke to them at once and he said, fear not. They cried out in what? In fear. And when they cried, when they cried out, they caught God's attention and he could not, he had a plan, but his plan was flipped when he heard the cries of his children. Wow. And you know what's even more powerful? That they didn't cry out in faith. Show the verse one more time. They cried out in fear. In fear. There's, it, have you ever cried out in faith before? It's a beautiful thing. It's when the storm is hitting and you're like, you are my God. That's crying out in faith. I've had those moments, but they've been real rare. You know, you know what crying out in fear, fear is? It's not you are my God. It's, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God, we're going to die. <laughs> I need you to understand that's how they were crying. There was, no, there was no courage. There was no Jesus come to the rescue. It was just, ah. 
but Jesus works with fear. More so, how about this? It would have been one miracle to get to the other side, but if they had gotten to the other side, just on that miracle, the disciples could have given themselves credit for getting there. You know, maybe we're just really good sailors. Maybe we're just really good, like, nautical men. Like, maybe we're just really good sailors. Maybe we just regret it. But because they cried out, listen, they had the opportunity to experience the supernatural in their life. Here's my second point. Not just the facts of fear, but I believe there's something called the fertility of fear. I believe that fear is fertile ground for a miracle. I believe it. The Bible says this, that God has not given us a spirit of fear. But in the same breath, it also says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. So here's my question. Does God want us to fear or does God not want us to fear? Is fear good or is fear bad? And here's the answer. Neither and both. Because fear isn't good or bad. Fear is fuel. Where fear takes you can either be good or bad. There is a fear that drives you away from God. That's bad. But there is another fear, a fear that drives you towards God. That's the kind of fear you got to embrace. I will tell you what, you will never pray like, like the day you pray when, you're, when your baby's sick. That's a whole nother type of prayer. You will never, when you get that bill that says, if you don't pay this rent, you're going to get kicked. This is an eviction notice. If you don't come up with the money in 20 days, you are gone. That is fuel. That is a fear that will drive you. I love it, love it, love it when Liz has nightmares. I know it makes me sound like a bad husband, but I love it because I'm a big time cuddler. And when we first got married, we would cuddle all the time. Somewhere around year seven or eight, I would try to cuddle, and she would, all passive aggressive. She didn't tell me to get off. She'd be like, I'm like, oh, okay. So we're not, we're not cuddling anymore? Okay. Just keep banished to my side of the bed here, I get by myself. Ah, but when she has a nightmare... It's a whole nother game. If she can't sleep at night or has a bad dream or watched a scary movie or ate something weird before she went to bed, if she's got any type of head or hears a noise, I love it. Sometimes I'll go to the side of the bed myself and be like, just so he can. She'll be like, what was that? I was like, probably an intruder. And then, and then, and here's what happens when she does it. She's like. Will you keep me safe? I'm like, yeah, babe. <laughs> I just want you to know, sometimes fear can be fertile ground. Hey, hey, you know what I'm talking about? Zane is the evidence of that. Anyway, um, I'm just saying, God can birth things out of your fear if you allow it to bring you close to him. He can birth things out of your terror if you allow it to make you force to wrap yourself around him. There's an intensity that comes when life gets scary. If you just cuddle up on Jesus and you hold him tight, there'll be something born out of that. Hope and answer, prayer. This is, this is the fertility of fear. I want to talk to you too about another one, the fantasy of fear. The fantasy of fear. Matthew 14, 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. And in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. Someone say, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. 
Well, the Greek word for ghost is phantasma. It's where we get the word phantasm, but it's also where we get the word fantasy. And I think it's an intricate word, fantasy, because, you know, fear a lot of times is a fantasy. I mentioned that Liz is going on this trip to Ethiopia. She's already there now. You should have seen her pack. You think I'm a control freak. I'm a preparer. She's an over-preparer. I was looking at some of the stuff she was throwing in her suitcase. I said, what's that? She said, it's a malaria pill. I said, okay. I said, what's that? She says, anti-diarrhea pill. I was like, okay. What's that? She's like, anti-venom. I'm like, dang, girl. She's like, yeah. I was like, what's that? She's like, bulletproof vest. I was like, what? That's right. And here's what she told me. She said, you got to be ready, babe. You got to be ready. I said, why? She said, and here's what she told me. Put it on the screen. She said, because anything can happen. Anything can happen. You know, sometimes the fear of the unknown is sourced right here in this idea. And it's true that we are all just one phone call away from being on our knees. How many people know that? You're just about your business at work. All of a sudden, you get a phone call from your child's school. Hey, we're under attack. Or a text message. Mom, I love you. Somebody's in there, and you know right there, right? And the crazy part is, that can happen. I'm not lying. I'm not going to tell you it ever happened. Anything can happen. And that fantasy, that fantasy can really drive us far away. But I've learned that there's another side to that. You know, I got a phone call once, and it wasn't that phone call from the principal. I got a phone call from a pastor one time. He was a pastor of a large church here in Orlando. And he told me up, and I kind of knew him, kind of didn't. He said, hey, JJ, uh, we have our youth pastor kind of move on. And, uh, and I'm thinking, would you like? And at that time in my life, I was kind of going through mild depression. Um, I was in ministry. I loved God, but I just wasn't kind of feeling life at the moment. I don't know what it was. It was weird. I think you get into those moments whenever you're in transition, by the way. And I felt like I was in transition, and I felt that, 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 unrest, that restlessness. And, uh, and he called me up, and he said, would you want to come be the youth pastor? I talked to my wife about it. The church was large, about 3,000 thousand people they had 300 students and and I was like yeah absolutely well I didn't know that could happen and I and I took the job and it was great and after I took that job um, I got another job offer to become a professor southeastern and then that job led to a connection with the person who planted a church in uh, South Carolina in North Carolina and that led to another connection and now because I answered that phone call now I'm here standing there'd be no journey church without that phone call and all the other connections that happened through it here's what I'm saying I found another way this is true Anything can happen, but I found something else that's just as true. Anything can happen. There's two sides to fantasy. There's fantasizing about everything that can go wrong, and there's fantasizing about everything that can go right. And when the enemy begins to tell you all the one million ways that this thing could blow up in your face, here's what you do. You go, you know, right, but there's another million ways this thing could go well. It could be a ghost. It could be a ghost. Or... It could be Jesus. I'm moving to a new city. And I moved to this new city. It could be the end of my life. I'm leaving all of my friends. I don't have a job. I just moved to Orlando. It could go bad. Or it could be the very thing that sets you on the path to your destiny. You don't know. You don't know unless you go. You don't know unless you step out. We got to admit we don't know everything. But then also admit we don't know everything. When the devil tells you you don't know everything. You'd be like, mm-hmm, amen. I find, it, I find it easier to agree with the devil sometimes because he's so good at, at inputting just enough truth into his lie that it slips past our spiritual sensors. So he'd be like, you don't know everything. And I'd be like, true, true, true. That's how I talk to the devil. <laughs> and here's my rebuttal. And neither do you. I bet you thought 
when you put him on the cross, he was going to stay there. I bet you thought, but hey, guess what? You found out three days later. You don't know everything. You don't know everything. If you'd have known everything, you wouldn't have persecuted him in the first place because that persecution led to my freedom. Devil, if you'd known everything, you'd back up off my life because you would know that when you put me through the fire, blessings come out. When you put me through the presser, power comes out. When you... I, you don't know. This is not the end. This is my beginning. Somebody say Amen. This is not my final chapter. This is the beginning of my story. You don't know. We got to start fantasizing the right way. And here's my last point. It's the focus of fear. The focus of fear. The focus of fear. Focus of fear. I want to read to you. Matthew chapter 14, verse 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Now we got to give Peter some credit. Worship team, you come on out. We got to give Peter some credit, see? Because he's actually doing it. He's walking on water. So imagine with me for a moment that uh, that was the boat, you know, and now I'm, I'm here and I'm on the water. And Jesus is there. Here's, here's my question to you. How in the world did Peter know where to walk if it was dark and, and you couldn't see? There were no lights. We know it was raining. People say, well, there was moonlight. Yeah, but it's raining. Guess what that means? There's clouds. So you got no candles. You got no head beams. You know, you can't just switch the boat on. You know, it's high beam. Don't have that technology. Okay. There's lightning, so maybe you get glimpses of light when a lightning bolt strikes. But aside from that, it's darkness. It's absolute darkness. So, so how does, does Peter know where Jesus is? Easy. Jesus said, come. And so he can't see him, but he heard him. And he was just walking, not towards what he saw, but walking towards what he heard. Yeah, it's a good old game of Marco Polo. Do you remember Marco Polo? Raise your hand if you know Marco Polo. All right, there are some people here who just skipped over their childhood, just never. It's a pool game. You go in the pool and there's one person who's it. And then everybody else, you got to catch them. But the point of the game is you can't see where you're going. And so you cry out, you say, Marco! And then the, whoever you're trying to catch says, and you just walk towards them, Marco. <laughs> and so, Austin, why don't you be Polo? I'll be Marco. All right. And we're just going to play this game real quick. Because I want you to understand, Peter's walking on the water. And this is where we got to give him credit. Because he's walking, but he can't see where he's walking. So he's like, Marco. Uh, you're throwing me off, okay? <laughs> it's a two-person game. <laughs> Marco. Marco, 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 Marco. 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 <laughs> All right. That's Marco Polo. And Jesus is playing this game with, with Peter. Uh, it's not a game, but it feels like it because it's so ridiculous and absurd. Now that's on one side, he's got the voice, but there's something on the other side too. Let's show the last verse again. The Bible says, but when he, what? But when he saw the wind, here's my question. How do you see wind? 
You don't see wind. You see waves. And you feel wind. What he saw was the wind hit the waves. In other words, he sees waves and feels wind. Ooh, this is good. I hope it hits you like it hit me. Because on one side, he's got what he hears, the word of God. But on the other side, he's got what he sees and what he feels. And what he sees and what he feels is trying to bring him down. But the only thing keeping up is what he hears. Now, Evie, will you be the wind and the waves for me? Go ahead. Right in the mic, as loud as you can. <laughs> go, go, go. Keep going, keep going, keep going. All right. You hear him? You hear him? You heard him? He said, he said, you hear him, right? But there's only one problem. Remember, he didn't shout. He just said it. You know why? Because what you see and feel will always be louder than what you heard. So, so go ahead. So it seems like I'm not going to make it. Seems like I'm gonna collapse. I, I can barely hear him anymore. And here's where Peter messed up. He tried to go off of one word. Catch it, please catch it. Look, he goes this. Peter says, Jesus, if you want me to come to you, say it, right? So Peter says, Jesus. And then Jesus says, come. And now he tries to make a trip on one word. You know what would have happened if he would have? See, I play this game too every day. I play this game when y'all don't show up to church. There's a lot of people in this building right now, but when it's empty, I'm like, I see and I feel. And here's what I do. My game isn't called Marco Polo, it's called JJ Jesus. This time, instead of saying come, say JJ. Jesus, 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 if Peter had kept calling Jesus' name, Jesus would have said, Peter, 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 oh, I hear it now, Peter, 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 oh, I hear it now, okay, come, come, boom, and he would have made it, but he stopped calling out, and when he stopped calling out, you can't live your life on last year's word. You can't live your life on last Sunday. You can't live your life off that one verse that you read when you were 12. You gotta call out every day, Jesus. Oh, I'm sorry. What's it called when we call on the name of Jesus? It's good, cause you got the word and you got the wind. But there's something that bridges the wind to the word and it also starts with a W and it's called worship. Yeah, and when you lift your hands and you start to cry out, Jesus, 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 he cries back and he says, Sarah, Sarah, Mel, John, David, Josue, Peter, Robert, worship. You got to call on the name and keep calling and keep calling until you get Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Standing your feet. I wanted to end our service with this song right here.
Because this is life. This is life. As you're worshiping, I need you to know what's happening as you worship. You're calling his name out. And he's calling right back to you. Yeah. He's calling right back. Come on, would you join us in worship today? Say the name when you call out. Take a step. Take a step. That's what worship is. That's what worship is. Until you reunite in heaven. Come on, let's get closer to the word. You gotta sing louder than the winds. You gotta sing louder than the waves. You gotta sing louder than the thunder. You gotta sing louder than the lightning. You gotta sing louder than the tempest. You gotta sing louder than the storm. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com slash give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.